Welcome to episode 57 of Central Intelligence Cinema. Today we are back with another Brush Pass review, this time to hang out with Dean Martin's secret agent alter ego, Matt Helm, in the 1966 spy spoof, The Silencers. And our special guest and good friend Andrew Groth has come along for the tipsy ride. But without further ado, take it away, Pierce. Beg your pardon, forgot to knock. <laughs> Welcome to the CIC, initiating security clearance. My name is Napoleon Solo. Bond. James Bond. Natasha Romanoff. Ethan Hunt. Looks like Elsa Faust. Identity confirmed. Now, pay attention, 007. Welcome to Central Intelligence Cinema, a podcast dedicated to spy movies and secret agent pop culture. Your mission, should you decide to accept it. Do you expect me to talk? I'm in the middle. This moron is giving me everything. Yeah, baby! Special agent, you're not having a very special day, are you? But remember, nothing ever goes according to plan. Tom, what do you think you're doing? the British hand up, sir. The state will self-destruct in five seconds. Coming to you from an undisclosed location in an Allied moving van. Allied! Moving evildoers everywhere! It's the Central Intelligence Cinema Podcast. I'm Jason Greenberg, and with me, as always, Ben Esslinger. Thank you, Jason. Thank you, Jason. And welcome back to the CIC, the spy movie podcast that does not condone drinking and driving, but for the purposes of this particular episode, maybe we do. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> we'll at least acknowledge it, if not necessarily condone it. That's right. That's right. But uh, yeah, we are back once again. We're doing one of our Brush Pass reviews this time. We're going to tackle the uh, rather silly 1966 movie, The Silencers, starring good old Dino. Good old Dean Martin playing Matt Helm. That's right. So grab your uh, backward firing gun and <laughs> strap in, kids. Because it's going to be an interesting ride, but uh, we're we're doing something a little uh, well. I guess it's not entirely different because we've actually had guests recently. It's, it's not unprecedented. It's not unprecedented. So we could say it's precedented. Yes, indeed, indeed. But uh, yes, we've choppered in earlier today. We choppered in a guest. We just released him from a uh, secure location within the undisclosed location. Absolutely. And uh, he is with us now. He is a uh, an artist. And he is our friend. His name is Andrew Groth. Welcome, Andrew. It's a pleasure to be here, Wink. <laughs> <laughs> Are you fully prepared? <laughs> as prepared as I could ever be for a genre I have no idea about. Yes. Well, I've been doing this for almost four years now, and I've gotten by all right, so I think you'll be fine. <laughs> yes, yes. And considering the uh, material today, I think uh, I think we'll all do uh, just fine. Thanks for keeping the bar low. <laughs> I appreciate that. Well, with that, uh, should we jump into this sucker? Let's do it. All right. I wanted to play Hamlet, but they talked me out of it, you know. I'm, anyway, I'm happy to be here to tell you all about a wonderful new picture called The Silencers. In it, I play a character named Matt Helm. He's a secret agent who has only one thing on his mind, but they keep bringing in fellas. What do I look like an enemy agent? Well, I don't know. I haven't seen all the latest models yet. It's like old times. Yeah, especially with that body on the floor. And what happens when the maid walks in in the morning? Let's put her in my bed so we don't arouse suspicion. The explosion will raise a cloud of radioactive dust that will settle over vast areas of the Southwest. Who's that? 
Okay, The Silencers, the first of four Matt Helm movies, of which are Murders Row, The Ambushers, and The New Wrecking Crew. This one was released in 1966. Our Man Flint was released this year. And just also for reference, Thunderball had been released the year before, directed by Phil Carlson, who uh, started as a prop man and did just about everything that was thrown at him. And he eventually went on to do the TV movie, The Scarface Mob, as well as the film Hell to Eternity (laughs) before taking on this one. It was written by Donald Hamilton, who wrote the Matt Helm novels. So he gets a writing credit as well as Oscar Saul, who wrote the screenplay adaptations. He's done tons and tons of adaptations, including A Street car named desire so a little movie called a little movie called a streetcar named desire but um i don't know as far as far as direction it I seems mean, like it was directed by a former prop man yeah yeah and i mean when you're directing dean martin and we'll get into this i'm sure but it definitely felt like there were an awful lot of moments where he was clearly reading from a, a cue card just off screen absolutely obviously in the car chase scene he was obviously reading his lines because he'd be yeah, because he'd be looking over at the girl, and he's talking, and then he kind of side-eyed out the, out the windscreen. <laughs> right. Well, it's great because they were conveniently had the cue cards right in front of where the windshield was, so it was it helped to create realism of actually looking as if he's sort of driving. Granted, his arms are all over the place with the steering wheel, but <laughs> yeah. But unfortunately, as he was driving, he clearly would scan from left to right. <laughs> yeah, his eyes as, were scanned. Yeah, yeah. Like he's, and he's driving on a twisty, winding road, so really you're only looking at that corner you're going in, technically. But, uh, hey, you know what? It's Dean Martin. He's a singer. <laughs> That's right. You'd notice in the eternal monologues that he was doing yes. with the music that uh, he had that all down pat. It didn't look like he was reading cards it, at it's all. It's sort of like when you, when you know you've grasped a language you know well enough is that you're you're thinking in it you know yeah, so he, he's, he is such a singer. singer that he yeah exactly he his inner monologue is now lounge singer right yeah <laughs> i'm curious to know too who the i didn't look this up but if they had a second unit director for like the card because that car chase is not amazing i mean i guess it's shot okay but, it, but it's shot but, just like a regular car driving scene yeah it's, you know <laughs> <laughs> and maybe maybe that's editing. I don't know. I think some of it is down to editing because I think the coverage they appeared to have gotten, at least from my point of view, it looks like they could have made a much more uh, riveting car <laughs> <card laughs> chase. Engaging something, you <laughs> something. Know, interesting about it other than a demolition derby. But uh, <laughs> I don't know why the cop was wearing a helmet inside a car. Well, I can almost say, well, it was motorcycle duty and it was bad weather, but it was shiny outside. <laughs> why, why Harry Mudd was wearing a helmet, no one knows for sure. <laughs> right. Well, I did like your theory that that was so that when the stunt driver came in for continuity, <laughs> well, yeah. that it matched up perfectly. And, and that way you couldn't see their faces as easily because they were all wearing helmets. Right. Well, and if you if you watch, and I because I was paying attention when I said that, there are actually no real direct scenes where you see inside the station wagon with Dean Martin exactly. and Stella Stevens in it, probably because you couldn't explain the helmets in that one. Right. <laughs> Although Dean Martin in a helmet would probably be hilarious. Oh my God, I'd love to see that. <laughs> Hold on a second, baby. I got to put this on before we drive. We're ready to go now. There were my hair 
puppies. <laughs> well, there are three more movies, so hope springs eternal. <laughs> and I feel like now that we've dumped into this thing, we're going to actually have to see it through to the end. So I'm sure there'll be more on this very podcast. I'm only here till Monday. <laughs> <laughs> you get off light. <laughs> Cinematography was by uh, Burnett Guffey, who started in the 20s. He worked on Alfred Hitchcock's foreign correspondent. He won two Academy Awards for From Here to Eternity and Bonnie and Clyde. So there were clearly some capable hands in this movie. Well, and from Bonnie and Clyde, clearly a cinematographer who can shoot car chases. Right. <laughs> I mean, again, unless it was it was left to a second unit director who was maybe out of his depth. <laughs> or a first unit director who, or just the main director who, again, prop guy. Um, <laughs> yeah. I could do it all. Just basically doing it, just let's ca- cash our paychecks and, you know, and hope no one sees this. <laughs> well, everyone's focused on Dean anyway. Who cares? I mean, yeah, I mean, based off of the trailer, the only thing they were trying to sell was Dean Martin and boobs, of which required zero effort on anybody's part to have to make it any more than was already in there. Right. Yeah, I think they pretty much delivered on that. So mm-hmm. art direction was by Joseph C. Wright, who worked on uh, really big movies, actually, including Gentlemen Prefers Blondes, Guys and Dolls, and The Man with the Golden Arm. Which is not a James Bond movie. Not to be confused with the man with the golden gun. (laughs) Or man with the golden wrist, gold with (laughs) gold member, gold member, (laughs) any of the gold, yeah, any of the other golds. The Goldbergs. (laughs) Music wise, the music was by the Titan himself, Elmer Bernstein, who has done literally everything. He's got 256 composing credits on IMDb, including a movie that we have done on this very, maybe not the one that he should be known for. But Certainly we, not the one I want to even comment on, but right, yes. But we, but we did cover Spies Like Us, so clearly we've, <laughs> we're familiar with this work. Um, <laughs> the title song was performed by Vicky Carr and then subsequently lip-sunk by uh, Sid Charisse, so that was kind of an interesting... It, it's so Like I said in the trivia, uh, that she didn't sing both of the songs that she was in because she's in it twice. Yeah. And Vicky Carr sang both songs, even though Sid Charisse can sing. Right. But she was known as a dancer. As a dancer. You can tell by my eyes that I have the legs of a dancer. (laughs) And if if I remember correctly, I, I know that Vicky Carr has done extremely well as a singer and I think this actual soundtrack actually did fairly well. <laughs> there was not, enough not, singing in this that they were that trying to sell the soundtrack. I'm not that familiar with Vicky Carr. I mean, is she not that pretty? <laughs> is, that, is that why? <laughs> they, they couldn't cast know. her to yeah. do the same thing? I actually don't know either. I, you know, I know the name and I know that she sings a lot of stuff, but I don't yeah. have any idea what she looks like. I mean, maybe Vicky Carr was Victor Carr. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Hard to say. I didn't do my homework on that one. Um, budget was three and a half million or 33.3 million adjusted for inflation. And the movie made 16.3 million. So it did extremely well based on the budget. And it made 153.9 million adjusted for inflation. So it's obvious why they made three more of them. Sure. Not, not to mention the fact, I mean, this was like the, the 60s. And if you put a spy in a movie in 1960, it's going to do well. Like, yeah, <laughs> that, was, that was the era for it. So 
By the way, I can confirm Vicky Carr is an attractive young lady, so who huh. knows? Huh. Who knows why? You know, maybe she wasn't a very good dancer. Well, maybe it was that. And they do have an outrageous number of dance numbers in this movie. There are 100% more dance numbers in this movie than any James Bond movie I've ever watched, if you take the opening credits out. That's right. Or Our Man Flint. Definitely a 280% more than Our Man Flint, but it also had 150% more James Coburn. Indeed. Um, so, <laughs> so there's that wasn't that willing to sleep with Dean. <laughs> There's also a distinct possibility. <laughs> I mean, he was kissing a lot of people. Who My knows goodness. what he was But he was, was doing like a little around. baby Eskimo kiss with everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Not going to get involved. <laughs> and uh, yes, speaking of Dean Martin, uh, Matt Helm plays, or uh, Dean Martin plays Matt Helm. Or does Matt Helm play <laughs> Dean Martin? <laughs> Is he that good? Yeah. Is he that yeah. good? He really got into it. Yeah, I mean... Dean, Dean Martin was like the Daniel Day-Lewis <laughs> of the day. In reality, it was actually Jerry Lewis playing Dean Martin, playing Matt Helm, playing Dean Martin. So, <laughs> Deanception, if you will. <laughs> so, fun fact, producer Irving Allen, who turned down going into business with Albert Broccoli for the James Bond movies, read the Matt Helm books and originally intended to make a straightforward spy movie because the books are very straightforward spy books. And they wanted somebody like Paul Newman to take on the role, but at the time, nobody wanted to try and compete with Connery. So, instead, it just became this, this comedy with Dino. And, <laughs> and now we have four ridiculously silly spy movies that probably don't even come close to the novels, which I've actually heard are quite good. <laughs> well, all I know is, is thank heavens that Columbia Pictures put out four guaranteed, bonafide, easy to review, ridiculous movies for this podcast. For this very podcast. Because it's almost as if they knew it was going to happen. Nothing says silly spy shit like Dean Martin, Matt Helm movies. <laughs> That should actually be the very definition of them. <laughs> Indeed. As far as some of the quote-unquote Bond girls or characters or Bond women or whatever you want to call them these days, we've got Gail Hendricks, who's played by Stella Stevens, who was back in the day likened to Marilyn Monroe, was in The Nutty Professor, went on to do The Poseidon Adventure. We then have kind of the main, well, I guess it's co-main. Yeah, uh, very much, very much like in uh, Our Man Flint. Yes. The female was more than just eye candy. She actually yes. had a significant portion of the role. Right. We've got Tina, played by Dahlia Lavi, I'm guessing is how it's Lavi. pronounced. Or Lavi, who, again, just like in Flint, they found an Israeli beauty. <laughs> she was in the uh, 1967 Casino Royale. Oh, the good one. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the real, the real classic. Uh, she was also in The Spy with a Cold Nose. And then just lots of various exotic types and princess type roles. Mm. But uh, Can I ask, how did they know that the spy had a cold nose? Hmm. I don't know. We may have to go investigate that one. Well, does have spy in it, so it technically qualifies. Yes, indeed, indeed. But uh, I thought she did really well, actually. I She was probably my favorite actress in the movie, for sure. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, she it felt like she showed up for her character. Yeah. Maybe took an acting class or three before she actually filmed it. Right, as opposed to uh, Stella Stevens, who just kind of looks surprised on, on one occasion and then looks 
drowsy and other drowsy, <laughs> drunk and confused. Like I said, the uh, Foster Brooks yeah. school of semi-sober acting. <laughs> yes, most of the people in this cast were drunk the whole time. <laughs> okay. You know it, and maybe that's why she was so effective because she was the only sober one that showed up, <laughs> right, Miss Lobby? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then we have Barbara, played by uh, Nancy Kovac, who was in Jason and the Argonauts, uh, lots of TV, Hawaii Five-O, I Spy. She was a Batman alumni, so. <laughs> <laughs> and then I didn't get the uh, name of the actress who played um, Lovey Craves It, but... Uh, <laughs> I think we should just call her Lovey Craves It because it's so fun to say. It, it really is so fun to say. <laughs> Other major characters, we've got uh, Roger C. Carmel playing Andreev, <laughs> known to many as uh, a, a, a Harry, star... Harry Mud. Harry Mud in the star. Hardcore Fenton Mud. You thing, 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 thing. Who's largely dressed in this movie as the Monopoly Man. (laughs) Sans monocle. Sans monocle, but you know. And then we've got another Batman alumni. We've got Victor Buono uh, playing. How is it pronounced? Uh, Well, he kept pronouncing it. Tung Z. Tung Z. Tung Z. Tung Z. My apologies. Like the Yangtze River. We um, need. We need a, a. Oh, Chris. Chris. I don't we know need, if you do Chinese. Chris, yeah, Chris, uh, but if, if you can, let us know what that correction is on that. Yes, one. please. Uh, but uh, yes, I it's believe spelled the tongue Zay, but it's pronounced throat wobbler mangrove. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yes, he plays the villain in some rather. Uh, we could call it yellow face, but he is still pale as a sheet. <laughs> yeah. Well, and he looks like Otho from from Beetlejuice. Right, right. <laughs> He's got he... like a painted widow's peak and <laughs> yeah. Mr. Spock eyebrows. I mean, honestly, it is such a racist interpretation of what is normally a racist interpretation. It's like, <laughs> yeah. we should just double down right here. <laughs> yeah, let's just... <laughs> Overweight white guy... But we're going to make him look like he's obviously yeah. not Asian yes, while we're playing making, an Asian. We're making who, an who Asian was, man. Who was the detective, the famous detective that, you know, that's... Oh, uh, yeah, uh, Charlie Chan. Yeah, Char- yeah, those days. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. No, but at least yeah. Charlie Chan, the makeup was convincing. Yeah, yeah. Well, this was literally a, a fat white guy with a fake widow's beak. <laughs> Vulcan eyebrows and eyeliner, and then piercing blue eyes. Yes, yes. He's like Otho in drag. (laughs) I feel like the producer off to the side was like, yes, it's good, but is there any way we can make it more racist? (laughs) Can we be slightly more offensive? (laughs) This is for posterity, remember. Uh, we've got uh, in there. We've got Joe Wigman played by Arthur O'Connell, uh, who was actually an Oscar no- had an Oscar nom for yep. a supporting role in Anatomy of a Murder, as well as Picnic. Uh, lots of TV as well. He will be easily identified if our uh, tens of listeners are watching by the electric blanket that he can't seem to get rid of. That's the green <laughs> electric blanket that you thought was a prop. <laughs> to fool people, yeah. but then the blanket came with, with him. He took it with <laughs> him. <laughs> and Barnaby really hopes that he was like, I'm just really cold on set. And they're like, we can't turn up the heat that's already hot. With like, You got something it's for me? The Linus of this movie. Really? Exactly. <laughs> We've got uh, Sam Gunther, played by Robert Weber, who is sort of the... He's a character in here you're going to recognize from everything you can't remember him in. Exactly. But yeah, he plays sort of the henchman-ish thing. But he's 
been in big movies. He was in 12 Angry Men, uh, The Dirty Dozen, and Private Benjamin. But so, yeah, I mean, he's been in a lot of stuff. But he was fully drunk in this one. <laughs> Definitely <laughs> drunk. I mean, everybody was. I mean, 100%. I'm pretty sure that back. was the rule for almost yeah, everyone. Absolutely. I mean, if you're doing a movie with Dean, and Dean's going to be drunk, so. Yeah. <laughs> when in Rome. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Well, halfway through watching, I'm like, I wonder if they switched out the alcohol in the bottles for like two tea and water like they do in most productions nah, or if it's just nah, straight, straight up, up booze yep, right yeah, in yeah, there yeah, just, yeah the, the labels did not seem to be pierced I know, none, no, of the, no. none of that seemed to be pierced it's so. just the opposite actually they'd be like I would like a tea please and then they'd bring over like a <laughs> glass of iced bourbon yeah <laughs> <laughs> So, and then we've got sort of the M character, McDonald, who's played by James Gregory, who definitely seemed drunk the whole time, too. Absolutely. I have never seen such mush-mouthery um, <laughs> out of that man. Except for that one scene where he rattles off that thing. Well, what was on the tape? A complete timetable for an underground atomic test. The test takes place in two days, Matt. Oh, we had to rewind it just yeah, to, just yeah, to it just, get what the he tongue said. twister. Yeah, but I mean, he pulled it all off. <laughs> he just did it so fast it ran together. But I'm like, how many takes was it on that one, Mr. Gregory? Yeah, that was that was something else. I was just thinking of this guy as angry Darren McGavin. I don't know why. <laughs> I mean, there's some similarities, but you know, when you're a kid, you you mix people up. You know, like uh, <laughs> you know uh, Marty Feldman and Artie Johnson, not the same guy, but I used to think they were. I used to think this guy was also Darren McGavin. <laughs> So there's a little thing you know about me now. There you go. So I'll just go around the table here. Uh, Jason, what were you? Wasn't he also the man in Chico and the Man? (laughs) Well, he was in Sanford and Son, and I know he was neither Sanford or the Son. (laughs) So maybe he was the neighbor? Who knows? Jason, what was your general reaction to the film? Thoughts? It was exactly what I thought it was going to be. <laughs> I mean, literally exactly what I thought it was going to be. Yeah. Dean Martin acting drunk in a bad spy movie that probably came from good source material, but they were having none of it. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. I mean, the only real surprise had to be the white station wagon as his primary vehicle. Yeah. Till we saw what was business was going on in the white station wagon. Made a little more sense. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But... It felt like we were watching, and this is all relative people, yes. uh, a bad version of Our Man Flint. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Strangely enough, yeah. Like, it elevated that movie to another level by watching somebody parody a parody yeah. to the point where it's just, like, ridiculous. Yeah, because in Flint, you've got him with his harem of girls, his his quartet, if you will, mm-hmm. of girls. But, you know, Dino has to one-up that. He's got one after another visiting his house. He doesn't even know who the half they are. He just walks into his own home, and there's clothes on the ground. He's like, oh, treasure hunt. <laughs> <laughs> Just like, so there's that. Then he's got the rotating bed, which then dumps him into a pool. Right. <laughs> Not a pool, a bubble bath. A gigantic pool-sized bubble bath. Yes, that comes, of course, fully equipped <laughs> with, with Lovey. Lovey with Lovey craves it. <laughs> exactly. Andrew, any thoughts? Any initial I haven't thoughts? seen that much cleavage outside of a Russ Meyer film. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, it was basically just a uh, big stripper show. It really got 
kind of was. It just felt like I was going to a burlesque show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> With a little bit of spy stuff thrown in there. Yeah. Very little. It's just so many dance numbers. Just like full on dance numbers, though. I mean, they just lasted for like 10 minutes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> full any, album length. Exactly. In any other movie, they would have cut that down to like a 30 second bit and then they'd be on to actual story. <laughs> but instead, it's just like, nope. <laughs> well, and I mean, if you're going to advertise Sid Cherise. You're going to put her on the screen because what's your target audience here, right? 25 to 40-year-old males. So they like Dean Martin. Yes. And they like spies. But they really like Sid Charisse. Indeed. And they really like Stella Stevens. So if you're going to have her in some sort of a semi-nude bodysuit with a bunch of randomly placed black spots with tassels on them, you're going to milk that for the entire five and a half minutes. That's true. That is true. Before you shoot it. Yeah, that outfit was like a pin the pasties on the stripper. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's like we're going to cover everything the censors could possibly say is risque in some capacity. Right. Well, I kept... Wondering, too, because I did look specifically at where some of the pasties were located, and I'm like, okay, how opaque is the bodysuit that all these are attached to? Sure. Because the one down under was a a little small. I'm like, okay. okay." Well, and the irony being that most of the women in here are half naked or in their underwear all through the entire film. Right. With no pasties. Yeah. Seen. So, okay. Well, and it kind of made me think, too, is as far as what we were talking about, these full-length dance numbers that just go on for the entire duration of the of the song. It kind of made me think of, like, late-night Rat Pack, like, night shows that had, like, comedy and dancing. and Because we get, at the very beginning of this movie, we literally get, like, how many dance numbers in a row? Like, three? Yeah. yeah. Right like off the bat. Three. Three different dance numbers. And finally, does it end with Sid? Yes. I think Uh it ends Uh with Sid Cherise. the red dress. Yeah. And then... The highlight of the movie, by the way. (laughs) I don't know. I kind of dug the second one. (laughs) Well, I like the brunette myself. That was my favorite. But uh, (laughs) It's so hard to remember this movie because it's just so all over the place. All the gadgets in the opening, you know, scenes and stuff. The bed and the coffee maker and the the towel scrubbing, you know, cylinders. Everything fully automated. Yeah. Yes, but totally worthless. Like they're not actually making things life easier. I could not help but think of Pee Wee's Playhouse (laughs) or or Pee Wee's Big Adventure when the coffee thing poured in. All I could think of was that scene. And (laughs) well, and it's not even Rube Goldberg. Everything has a very specific, fully automated purpose. Yes, you've got a rotating bed that then rolls into the bathroom that dumps you into the gigantic bubble bath. You get out of the gigantic bubble bath. Complete with uh, Lovey Craves It. Lovey Craves It. You both get out and some really nice shots of two sets of sexy legs. Who was who? I don't know. I would have expected Dean Martin to be hairier in his legs, but apparently not. He shaves them. There you go. Then he gets out and it's just a time. They both have giant rotating towel yeah. things to dry Which them off. Which is the weirdest thing ever. Like it's a terry cloth car wash. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the first thing I thought of was every scene in Austin Powers where he's naked yes. and they're just trying to put things in front of his junk. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you can clearly see where he stole everything from. Oh, between our man Flint and this, and then a smattering of James Bond. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I thought it was interesting too the uh, the dream sequence at the very beginning, where he's in his photographer mode, right? But he's in some setting and he's dreaming. It's weird that he's dreaming about his job, right? But I suppose 
He's if, dreaming about the girls. He's dreaming about the girls in the job. And wasn't Austin Powers' day job a photographer? Yeah, because you get that whole thing where yeah. he's yeah, like, no, 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 yes, 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 no, 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 behave, behave. I love the slide whistle as he goes into the bubble bath. Yeah. It's the only time I want to hear a slide whistle in a spy movie. I'm looking at you, the man with the golden gun. However, that was foreshadowing for later on. Yeah, and the whole grenades. I mean, only to do the dumbest joke ever. Honestly, at least there was a payback to it. I don't know if it was payback. Well, not payback or payoff. Payoff. Yeah, right on. It was payback to us for actually sticking through all this garbage. Indeed. Can't um, get that time back. <laughs> so, yeah, we get a very similar thing that they do in Our Man Flint, where he's like, I don't do this work anymore. Retiring from the game. I'm just a photographer now. and Right, and he has to begrudgingly be, keep having the thing introduced to him until it has a personal stake. Right. That he then decides to commit to the bit. Right. And instead of sending different army people the way they did in Flint... They just send girls, <laughs> right. which is far more effective, honestly, but <laughs> it's true. So same sort of thing. And then he eventually he, I don't even know why he eventually bends. I think it just because his, his life was threatened when the girl comes in. I don't even know. I don't, so I don't I, even know. I, I don't remember the turning point. Yeah. And I know that my attention was focused on some other things and points of the movie while I was trying to look up well. characters and things like that. You can't say it was done subtly. I think it was just not written intentionally for you to understand a lot of yeah. things directly. Oh, that's what it is. I think a lot of it is because, you know, Tina comes and saves his life. Right. And then Tina's like, well, look at the guys outside in the car where clearly there's <laughs> four guys lit up in a car. <laughs> yeah, where you can see all their faces in the dead of night. It's like, I wonder how that happened. <laughs> not subtle. Right. And that's when... He goes to his wall of... Wall of guns. Wall of guns to and gadgets. To get the camera Slash that's in cameras. the guns. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> with his two little pew, pew, laser darts with silencers. <laughs> yeah, because a camera that shoots darts apparently needs a silencer. Absolutely. You would want... <laughs> well, I mean, you know, it could be like going to... <laughs> but no, we want it to be quiet. It's not a racket for knives being yeah, exactly. out of a camera. I mean, I'm like, wouldn't it just be easier to pull out a knife and stab somebody? <laughs> Probably. But then we later on get a backwards firing gun. So I guess it's right in there with the logic. I'm not sure which is my favorite. Those are two. Those are definitely my two favorite gadgets. Or the reverse firing gun and the camera. I do like the camera a lot, actually. Yeah. Well, the, the camera seems like it's a legit thing. The reverse yeah. firing gun is just ridiculous, but it is played to good effect in the movie. Yeah. Radio blanket. Radio blanket was probably my, my favorite. <laughs> Fully Actually, to be blanket. honest, to be honest the, the, the guy driving the mobile organ at the pool. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. <laughs> like, did they have those in the 60s? Just guys driving pianos around? It's like, hey, I hope so. Yeah, that's what well. I mean. It's a piano bar car. It's like a 60s version of the, the cycle bars that you see downtown, right? Yeah. You know? Well, you just need to throw like a guy playing a keyboard on it. You've got the whole nine yards. Right. So then they got to hightail it out of his house in the family truckster. <laughs> that is completely <laughs> At that point, he basically concedes that he has to do this mission. Yeah, and so they, they drive to Phoenix. Yes, for... <laughs> Phoenixy stuff. Phoenixy Reese. Oh, I think that's where the... 
Well, they're going to Phoenix because that's where the tape is. The tape is being handed off or whatever. Apparently, they they got intel from McDonald. Old McDonald's (laughs) had some intel. (laughs) E-I-E-I-O. E-I-E-I-O. So they went to... Ah, Phoenix. <laughs> where slash where, Vegas slash. Yeah, it sure Phoenix. felt more Vegasy than Phoenix to me. I've been to both, and I don't know if they've got any clubs like that in Phoenix. Maybe they did in the sixties. Maybe they did. Sure. So maybe they thought that was too obvious for him. We can't put Dean Martin in a Las Vegas movie. <laughs> we'll put Elvis in one instead. Excellent idea. <laughs> exactly. So they go there, and that's when they bump into uh, Stella Stevens for the first time. Well, well she, she bumps, bumps into him. him. Yeah. Dumping water on him, and then, well. I mean. <laughs> it's quite the introduction. Was it water? <laughs> God, I hope so. I mean, I'm just enough of a 12-year-old to just want to see that scene with a little. Mm. Yeah. Just a little. Yeah. <laughs> 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 I mean, it was point blank range, you know? Exactly. And then when the phone exploded later, I'm just like, well, maybe. So that whole situation happens. And then we realize, well, we don't realize right off the bat that Gunther is, uh, is he the one playing the, the piano? Yes. So apparently Gunther also knows, not only is he a henchman, but he can play a mean, 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 a mean patio organ. A rolling patio yeah, organ. That's right. Yeah. He's not even phased. Bar. <laughs> not even phased by movement or drink shaking or. I feel like Billy Joel wrote a song about that rolling organ with a bar thing. You know, he takes it on the road. Sing us a song. You're the rotating piano bar man. Rolls off the tongue. <laughs> right off wow. the tongue. And then the uh, the second accident that she has is way more cringeworthy with the drink yeah uh-huh. the cool refreshing bloody mary by the pool <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> nothing i want more on in night. phoenix summer <laughs> day than a bloody mary <laughs> yum <laughs> extra tomato juice please do you have clamato <laughs> so and this of course leads us to our next great chance at racism where <laughs> they're walking down the hallway and he's in a sombrero and they're playing Mexican music. No, he's in a poncho. He's got or a poncho. poncho. Yeah, yeah, a yeah. He's got a poncho. A poncho. On. Right. And cowboy boots. <laughs> right. And just boxer underwear. <laughs> yeah, well, they specifically had him lean over for something so uh, just yeah, so that you could see yeah, you know. money shot. <laughs> <laughs> Dean Martin. Uh, How you doing? How you doing? And then of course, is it the big O guys that are in his room? By the way, the big O guys are the bad guys in here. Yes. And not to be confused with big O tire. Or not to be confused with the good kind of big O. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> there are many interpretations for the big O. This is not one of them that yeah, you want to this even is, visit again. This is just the world's worst criminal organization. It's got the dumbest name. It's not even an acronym. <laughs> well, big isn't even in it. It's right? Just a, right. There's just a lightning just bolt going it looks through like, it. It actually looks like the Flash. <laughs> Right? <laughs> anyway. But they do mark their bullets individually, so you know. That's right. So High quality. Know. High quality organization, that one. <laughs> so the big old guys are in his room, and he's fumbling with his keys for convenient reasons. So instead, he goes into Tina's room. Well, she basically invites him to go oh, into her yeah. room. She's constantly inviting him into everything. So <laughs> And I do mean everything. <laughs> and I do mean everything. So they go into her room, and then... They fool around, and... This time, no dead body on the floor, though. 
Which is, you yes. know, <laughs> as he pointed out, they would be just throw in the bed and then it would seem like everything was normal. Right. So right. that would have been okay. So then they get all gussied up and they go to this big Vegas show in Phoenix. <laughs> <laughs> So. Poughkeepsie. <laughs> yeah, it could be anywhere at this point. You know, like you do. <laughs> like you do. And we get yet another full... Uh, full dance number. Another full dance number. Centuries out there shaking her spots. Yeah, yeah, shaking her spots and lots of shifty eyes. A lot of people looking at everybody because everybody's in the room on, oh, yeah. in this show. We've got the whole gang there, aside from Tung Z. And this whole thing is... God, the acting is so bad. I know. Because so you you basically got Dean Martin and Dahlia Lavi. I guess we'll just say Tina and Matt. It's easier that way. Yeah. Uh, we got Tina and Matt sitting in a booth looking at the thing, and then you've got Stella Gun- Stevens and Gunther over in another one together because right. he asked me. And then <laughs> you got shady people. You've got uh, Harry Mud over on the other side, <laughs> and there's all of this little looking going around like shifty eyes, yeah, side eye, side eye. Thank God there's at least boisterous music playing because otherwise it would just be so looking at my watch like how long is this going to all go on well and i'd be that (laughs) the whole shifty i think took long enough then the dance number starts and it's like literally a third of the movie (laughs) and you're just like what and and all the shifty eyes is going on while this is happening too because matt's like well i'm gonna go ahead and get us a taxi to get out of here you go and uh, get the microfilm from the dancer over there blah 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 and tina's angling to get in there to get it and meanwhile you've got gunther over here and you've got the hairy mud over here and they're all like right. should i could i would i who's gonna do it i don't know who's gonna do it somebody needs to do it right and meanwhile matt helms just like what is going on are you guys spies <laughs> like are you guys gonna do anything people can see <laughs> you know we can all see you doing this, right? And I mean, I have to keep looking over here because there's a cue card over there. There's a cue card over there. I got to know what to say. <laughs> well, and the fact that Harry Mudd is right up front. Right. Literally right up front. It's like, and he's turning his head. Like, even if I wasn't a spy, I'd be like, who is the fucking guy <laughs> yeah. up front? Hey, why, why, why does he keep looking at this guy? Why does he keep looking at this guy? Right. Exactly. He's looking very clearly at this other man. I don't know what's going on. Well, right. Am I right in that she was trying to pass off the the film to him, right? Yeah, and, right. and then just like tucks it back in her outfit. Like, right? Why did little, she do that? Yeah, I right, don't well, know because I think she saw that. Oh, uh, that Matt Helm was here. Oh, we can't do that. He's noticed, and then right. that's when Harry Mudd notices that they notice that he noticed that they she noticed that <laughs> I know that she knows that. Yeah, I know that she knows and then that I know. Yeah, and, and then, then Harry, that's when Harry Mudd turns around, twists his mustache, and goes, oh, "Hey, Gunther, yeah. you might want to." Huh? Off her for no apparent mm. valid That's reason. She's compromised. <laughs> She's been compromised. Kill her. I'll stand through, behind this through this painting. <laughs> yeah. through, through the painting of, of her. Of her. <laughs> yeah. And shoot her so no one knows it's me. Pow, pow. Oh, look, there's holes in the canvas. Where'd those mm. come from? Which means technically he shot her twice. It does. <laughs> so she goes down like a house of cards. Yeah. And then Tina tries to get to her and gets clobbered. Oh my God. She gets thrown across. <laughs> the stage. Yeah, are just like, no. <laughs> despite the, well, spoiler alert, <laughs> despite the fact that Tina's a double agent. Right. But <laughs> but he doesn't know that. He doesn't know that yet. We, we find that out later. He figures out at the same time everybody else does. Yeah. So. And they do do the very explainy, explainy thing towards right, right. the end of, oh, I didn't know. I'm sorry. <laughs> Yo, I, I had no fucking idea. Look at her. I thought she was a good guy too. That's why I threw her on the ground back in Phoenix at the old nightclub. <laughs> right. 
So then Gail, Stella Stevens, she runs over and whisper, 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 whisper. And then she gives her the tape or whatever this computer. It's so, again, like more only 60s version of tech that that yeah. doesn't exist. A tiny, tiny tape. A tiny, <laughs> tiny tape capsule that right. would normally be on my hate list. But because it was so poorly explained and executed, I'm just like, let's keep rolling with this ridiculous right. bit of whatever it is. Right. Everything else is so Batman in this movie. That yeah. Why it's like, not? Who cares? It's like, it doesn't even matter. <laughs> is there a Matt Helm shark repellent anywhere in his utility belt? I don't know. Right. <laughs> so then, of course, Tina recomposes herself and finally Matt shows up at some point. And they drag her out of there. <laughs> they whisk Gail off. <laughs> they whisk Gail off with into the, the tape uh, cassette <laughs> pill right. thing into the family truckster. Yep. And then take her back to the hotel. Oh, but let's not forget the combat with Harry Mudd playing oh, the penguin with his pointy umbrella. That's right, in the parking lot. Which I know that we were, all three of us were kind of surprised that Dean was actually doing a lot of the fight choreo himself. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and from the wide, it was like, oh, wow, he's really doing this. But, you know, he was trying he was to fight drunk, Harry though. Mudd. So. <laughs> yeah, well, but he was drunk, drunk, so. Oh, he's still in any pain here. Let's go ahead and do it. <laughs> yeah, I'm ready. He's got that Dutch courage going. And I was ready to go. Ready to directors, director's calling in the stunt double, and he's like, I got it. <laughs> I got this. Well, oh, all my drink for me. I got yeah. this thing here. And the fighting is very Batman, also. Oh, absolutely. There could have very easily been pow, biff, chop. Yes. Whee! All the perfectly timed pauses in between each hit. And then one of the final ones I noted, too, is his fist was so far away. I don't even know if it was his fist or the umbrella or what it was, but, like, so far away, and the guy just drops to the floor. Like, he's... Yeah, he's done. I don't even want to do this anymore. You <laughs> this, win. <laughs> they're like, this is silly. Will you just take my car and leave? Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, so they and then there's a couple another henchman has to be dispatched waiting in the copious numbers of black continentals that were in this movie. Yes. And so they get in the bad guy's car and go driving off the three of them with all sorts of extrapolation. Yeah, but not before covering the henchman with an umbrella. It's true. Yeah. <laughs> the same like, umbrella. Why? He actually <laughs> literally like, goes into the wall and take yeah. the umbrella out of the wall from the stabby point. Open it up and cover him with it. Because no one will see him. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Brilliant. He's under an umbrella. Of course they can't see him. So yeah, so they get out of there in the, what is it? What did you say it was a Chrysler? Continental. Lincoln Continental. Suicide doors, baby. Woo! <laughs> so then they go back to the hotel? Yep. And begin the interrogation of sorts. Which begins with Matt ripping off Gail's dress <laughs> right. to try and find the cassette tape pill thing of doom. Right. I mean, literally grabs her shoulders and just tears it to the ground. <laughs> That's it. That's it. <laughs> like she was One ready to go motion. play for the NBA at any moment. <laughs> Tear away dress. <laughs> Is that when he also basically used her as a human shield by pushing her into the room first? Yes. But they was doing that to kind of threaten her more or less like well, these bad guys could be over on the side of the door we'll go ahead and send you first since you're being so uncooperative and pushes her and she does to her own credit stunts right off of that ottoman onto the ground yeah. herself yeah like you're gonna earn this paycheck Stella <laughs> <laughs> you wanna make it in this business <laughs> you're gonna have to do a tuck and roll right here <laughs> so he gets the that's the other thing do they ever actually say I can't I didn't see where he pulls the well there was a joke about that yeah where did you find the film you don't really want to know <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> it's just sort of like wow yeah and I mean as soon as he said that 
17 very bad things popped into my head. <laughs> None of which I said out loud, to my credit. Quite easily the dirtiest line in the entire movie. Oh, absolutely. And it was all implied, which is yeah. even better. <laughs> but yeah, they get the micro thing and then they go into that whole weird thing about trying to establish whether she's a good guy or not, right? Yeah, just... And she's like, I have a phone number. Let me give you the number. It's this, that, 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 that. It was a very specific... Yeah, very specific (laughs) phone number. To prove she was a good person, I didn't understand that. But it's all a gag to get to the phone. Right, because even he's like, oh, well, if you send that number out, then that they'll know where we are or whatever. Yeah. Right. It makes no sense other than to get to the smoking phone gag. That's all. (laughs) And then the smoking phone gag... Honestly, not what I thought it was going to be, because when we see the the big O guys in there, after they finished rotating the tires in, inside the hotel room, um, they, <laughs> they rotated phones as well, um, taking out the phone from the hotel and replacing it, Stephen Wright style, with an exact duplicate. <laughs> Except this one, instead of taking phone calls, shoots out poisonous gas. Right. Oh, that's right. But it was still battery operated. They had to plug it into the wall. Well, what was funny is all three of us thought that it was that... A bug. Yeah. Yeah. And instead it was gas. Because if this had been a slightly more sophisticated movie, they would have needed to hear what he had to say. This movie is not sophisticated at all. And therefore, gas. That's right. They just needed Batman green gas. If that had been a red Batman phone, it would have gone beep, beep, beep. (laughs) Well, and that scene ends with Matt throwing the phone, trying to throw the phone out the window, right? Yeah. And it like seems to just hit the ground. <laughs> it literally goes through the window. And goes, <laughs> it was almost and then as they if just cut to something else. Like, right? That's fine. That was we bad. don't need another no, take no. with that. No. <laughs> I kept waiting for like somebody offset to go. All right, who forgot to replace the glass on this one with Hollywood glass? Because it just kind of half broke, but mostly bounced off the oh, window. Yeah. That was definitely that was definitely the set builder's mistake right there. Yeah. And they're going, do you know how expensive it is to make a sugar window? (laughs) Right? And we only have one because Victor Buono ate the other one. (laughs) And then they're both knocked out anyway. Right. Like they get not enough of the gas out of the room. But just then, of course, McDonald, old McDonald. (laughs) Old McDonald and his arm broke into the room. So McDonald bursts in just as they're both passed out. And <laughs> you get that wonderful bleary eyed from Matt Helm's point of view shot, like, oh, I think I'm going under. Right. <laughs> but it's so dumb because it's like the solution or the, the, the antidote to poison gas is good gas, yeah. I guess. <laughs> yeah. So they bring in this machine, you know, that's got like a what looks like a dentist office, you know, of laughing gas and Right. It was it oxygen? Was it something I don't know. else? Was it antidote? He needed more hits of it. <laughs> that was the other thing. I was like, God damn! If that shit makes you smarter, I want one of those. <laughs> Where's my briefcase full of you know intelligent gas? <laughs> right. Well, it was funny too because every time he couldn't remember something, he'd give him another hit. Give him another oh, hit. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, like I was saying. <laughs> now can you tell me where I left my keys? <laughs> Oh, yeah. <laughs> so then they threaten Stella, or Gail, with going to jail. If she doesn't help Matt. Out. If she doesn't help Matt. So what she ends up doing is she spills the beans that Sid Charisse's character, who was, God, was it Satine or something or other, the when she's dying after she hands it right. off, she's like, and she said something to me. She said, um... Oh, right, the wigwam. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever. Then, oh, then she said something else. And I just kept thinking it was... <laughs> but it was actual clues. And because 
your character's kind of an idiot. She changes the words around, which then you get the whole wild goose chase that they go on after that. Right, because instead of wig men, it's wig one. Well, right, but you know, even <laughs> I figured that when they said the guy's name. Oh, that, that mm. <laughs> Oh, is that what that meant? <laughs> Shit. Thanks, Gail. <laughs> and then once she spills that, then they threaten her with jail, or you can just help Matt out. But of course, she immediately just thinks it's, give her a sex maniac or yeah. whatever. Oh, he's just going to rape me in his rape mobile. <laughs> well, he I did see just why you would tear her that. dress off. Right. <laughs> I mean, she has every reason to believe it's, that's what's going it's an to happen. Extremely valid argument. <laughs> <laughs> but she doesn't want to go to jail, so. It's off to the rape van. <laughs> sure. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. The Griswold family rapester. <laughs> so then they get in the car and I'm trying to figure out where they, where do they go next? I don't know. They went 50 miles from nowhere <laughs> right. and stopped that car and shut the windows. <laughs> yeah. It's like, and got her just pass out drunk. Right. Yes. I mean, come on. <laughs> With Matt Helm. Well, while he's driving, they're yeah, getting drunk, yeah, yeah. by the way. In yeah. the bar behind his seat. Yes. Which maybe doesn't technically qualify as a gadget, but goddamn, it's really great. <laughs> I mean, she, she pulls out the bottle. She cans him a glass. You can give me a glass of that over there. And she's just pouring it right back glug, from the glug, bottle. Glug, 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 glug. All the, all the while... Dean Martin's trying to drive this car <laughs> with the world's loosest steering wheel. Yeah. <laughs> looking about, at her, looking at a cue card. <laughs> looking at her, looking at a cue card. Looking at her. Oh, I should be pretending I'm looking at automobiles, <laughs> according to the cue card. Also, I should mention in the car driving, just all of the car driving, it looks like they're going so fast. Right. <laughs> like, like 112 <laughs> miles an hour. Yeah. Like, oh my God. Look at <laughs> the, the scenery going by. Yeah, the back projection <laughs> is going so fast. By. And we do get that wonderful little scene in this where they're listening to music and he turns on the radio and it's yes. Frank Sinatra. He's like, oh, this guy sucks balls or something <laughs> like that. Change the channel. It's him singing. Oh, but yes. I like this guy. He's pretty good. <laughs> and that's when they sort of also introduce the idea of the inner monologue slash exposition of the, the songs that Dino is singing. But in his mind. It's, but it's on the, but isn't it on the radio too? No, no, no. no that was just a Dean Martin, Dean Martin song. song. Oh, that's yeah, right. That's yeah. right. Yeah, yeah. Because he, because he first, I think he has that first little singy bit while he's still in his house in New Mexico or wherever. Not, not yeah. the shag pad, but wherever the other place was at. Right. And he's literally just like, and I'm going to be a spy. <laughs> yeah, singing yeah. lyrics about what's just happened. Right. <laughs> and so yeah. it's it's almost like the like, best kind of musical because nobody's actually singing or dancing while the action's happening. Yeah. It's, he literally mentions lovey in it. Yeah. <laughs> and I think he mentions the bubble bath, too. Right. No, yes, he's he just singing about what has just happened. <laughs> yeah, right? exactly. And then they play his song on the radio during the road trip. <laughs> right. right. The actual <laughs> Dean Martin song. Yes. And then from that point on, it's just Dean Martin songs. He doesn't do that inner monologue. No, 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 that part well, stops. Well, no, I think they have one once he pulls over to the side of the road and she gets rip-roaring drunk. Oh, you're right. You're right. Yeah, after she's rip-roaring drunk, there, there's another one where it's the same sort of yes. <laughs> inner oh, after monologue. Her, after her slapstick bit in the in the puddles oh. and in the rain and stuff. Yeah. Oh, my God. Uh, yeah, that... Which, granted, in the 60s, maybe it fared better. To us, we were just like, <sighs> Well, no, it's just any excuse for this movie to get women wet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that definitely is a recurring theme. <laughs> yes. But right. I, I, it, it does have a lot to do with the fact that 
timing was differently different in 60s movies. Yes. Particularly yes. when you had a shoestring script that right. could have easily been written, acted, and resolved in 42 minutes. Right. It's a TV movie is what they shot that they had to stretch right. out into a feature-length sure. film. So everything was just a little too long. That whole thing would have been funnier if it had been half as long as it was. Yeah, and even like the, the car chase was too long. Everything was too long. Every scene in this movie was too long. Every it's chase. almost as if they only had like, they didn't even need an editor. This is all the film they actually had. You <laughs> they guys just strung it out from you start get, to finish. You get 12 cans of film. <laughs> make it count. Right. It. Yeah, so they... She gets rip-roaring drunk after she has her thing out in the rain. and After she's been roofied. After. <laughs> yeah. She wakes up, goes out in the rain, and just stumbles around for a while. Right. And then realizes she's not going to get anywhere. So and comes then, back into the shagmobile. The shagmobile. What's funny, too, is they do that coy thing where he's like, who is it? <laughs> before, she, right. before letting her in. And then doesn't she force him to sleep in the back cab? Mm-hmm. Which, again, this car apparently is really long like there are two full-size beds in the back of this family truckster well like, yeah i mean he doesn't end up there well no but, but initially while they were getting plastered drunk she made him sleep far on the other side right but of course it's matt helm and he's gonna conquer in james bond style so if she's drunk enough she'll sleep with him well at least there wasn't like a struggle no, no, no. <laughs> a physical struggle we're not talking at goldfinger level <laughs> yeah uh, this isn't the goldfinger well, she absolutely watched it <laughs> yeah it's you not can the... tell because i threw her into the hay seven times <laughs> yeah we got none of that going on yeah, here we didn't get the barn scene no no <laughs> i'm still having ptsd over watching that and then talking Talking about it here. <laughs> so they end up going into town where we find Wigwam. That's right. right. So, so the it just, middle of some old ass town somewhere. Right. It just it cuts to day. Apparently, they had stayed the night in a hotel, and suddenly they costume have change. Costume yeah. change. She's got she's got a new top and fresh blouse on. Uh, Matt still got his leather suede grenade jacket going on. Oh, that's right. Canary we totally yellow. didn't even get to talk about we didn't, that. Yet. We actually didn't talk about because after the, before they go on their secret mission, he gets his swag package from MQ. We got to call them both because he right. does both. <laughs> jobs in this movie right and we get introduced to the reverse shooting gun yes <laughs> which, is, which is very pretty it's I mean, a pretty it's, gun it's I very mean, it's ornate and you know, the, 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 yes. the etching and the oh yeah, and yeah. sparkly really but really it shoots nice. backwards in no apparent way that you can discern that it does it right <laughs> but it does Except and, for once. Except for once. Except well, for once. Except one. for well, shh, don't ruin the no, surprise. Sorry, don't spoiler. <laughs> and then we get then we get the they go into Matt's house, take his favorite suede coat, right, and then <laughs> fill it with a bunch of explosive buttons. <laughs> And he seems generally perturbed. You went into and my house. The size of silver dollars, yeah, by the way. Yeah, absolutely. Like a big Oreo cookie button on his thing. <laughs> no one will ever notice. And then... <laughs> I just love that he's wearing that as, like during action moments where if he's bumped up against the side <laughs> right, of the car, right. they're well, all no, dead. No, no, so, no, no. So McDonald clearly says you have to pull it off to activate it. Right. Let me show you with this demo strip of fabric with buttons that I have here. <laughs> that I just have to have and he handy. pulls it out and count to three. One, <laughs> two, three, then throw. <laughs> and for no apparent reason, as soon as you do it, it will eat on you. <laughs> <laughs> 
it was made by Acme, clearly. <laughs> right. Throws it at a tree. Tree goes boom. Right. And the man's like, oh, let me tell you about one of those It is the biggest ever. grenade ever. And the <laughs> longest, not specifically timed grenade ever. <laughs> Each one has a different time. It is narrative. Every, it every, is, it's never consistent. No, no. Never it's, consistent. It's exactly one as long as it needs to be. <laughs> two. <laughs> Mississippi. <laughs> Three Mississippi. Five. <laughs> Not the holy hand grenade of Antioch, to be sure. No. So yeah, they're in this little town. And I found it very interesting, too, that Matt's turtleneck is exactly the same color as her dress. Oh, absolutely. Right? And his pants are clean as a whistle. She was a kid and all muddy and nasty. Right. So they have yet another argument, some sort of argument about whether or not, because he still doesn't believe. Maybe we should look for a wigwam. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, How are we going to do that? Because their lead doesn't pan out. That's right. Because they can't find a wigwam in Alamogordo (laughs) or wherever they are. Where the hell they are? In Booger, New Mexico. It's like, what the hell? So then she storms off and he goes to make a phone call to McDonald. It's really just for the sole purpose of introducing a... Wiggum. Radio blanket. (laughs) Or Wigman. 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 We can't even get it right. It's not Wigum. Wigum's a completely different guy. Sorry. Sorry. Moving on. Moving on. He might have been one of the police officers that was going through over with the army guys, but that's not it. Just call me Joe. Just call me Joe. I'm just going to call him Lion. Because he's the one with the blanket. Yeah. So that's all I care about. Because he's out there and it looks relatively warm out. And he's got his... Yeah. He goes it's, to New Mex- it's New Mexico, by the way. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Do you really need an electric blanket in New Mexico in the summer? And a fedora? I- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So... He's listening in on the phone call. Or, or is he? I don't even know. It doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter. And then he plugs- I think he's just there to keep tabs on, on Matt. So. Right. So he plugs in his, quote, electric blanket, which then the controls for the electric blanket, then out comes a little phone microphone app- dealy apparatus. Yeah. And then he calls the big O to let, <laughs> to let him know that, that Matt's there or whatever. And Matt's then- here. Get the radials ready. Right. And then is that when we get that weird scene where she thinks they're shooting at her and she's by the yeah, lake? Yeah, and then you get like hunters like out in the open, like on a golf course. Well, right. well, Shotguns shooting at trees. We're, we're, we're not, we haven't talked about the random military uh, string of cards that comes over. Yeah, to, yeah, yeah. To and she runs sign. right into traffic. Well, <laughs> and, and almost gets hit by a Jeep. But then there's this random thing where an army guy comes over. Well, and the guy's can, from the link. Yeah, one, well, one of the guys gets out of the Lincoln. He's a bad guy because he's driving a Lincoln. Runs over right, to you the get the weird car switch military vehicles. Right. And then the guy gets out of the military vehicle and goes over to the car like, what? There's no what? payoff for that. What happened there? <laughs> Why was the bad guy in the car? Why did he switch cars? Why did Matt Helm not notice that the guy that was in the army car... Could he not have resolved this whole thing right then and there? No. Well, I mean, no, because he's more interested in Gail running away in her little yellow top with her big red suitcase. I gotta go get her. She can be the ruin the whole thing, even though there's bad guys right there. I don't even know what prompted Gail to suddenly take cover. Like, was it just because they started shooting? Yeah, the shooting. Right, but it yeah. wasn't even any of those people. It was just three <laughs> three random, duck hunters yeah, shooting at ducks. ducks. <laughs> right so she hides under behind the rocks, and they're not even shooting at her. And then Matt takes this as the opportunity to 
try and make it sound as if, well, we're going to die. We're all going to die. <laughs> Be sure is... there's nothing you want to tell me. Uh-huh. Yeah. This is the end. So if you have something to tell me, uh-huh. I'm just saying, it's not going to matter. Uh-huh. So dumb. <laughs> well, and it all ends with, I swear to God, it was the same 38 with a silencer that everybody used in the gun. They just passed it around. Right. In the movie. <laughs> yeah. You know, oh, same sub nose 38 silencer on it. Probably not even a real gun. Probably not. But that was the only one the prop master could come up with. I think it was a flare gun. <laughs> they blew their budget on the grenade buttons. <laughs> I got to say, those trees came apart impressively well, though. That was the whole pyro budget right there. Yeah, right. <laughs> because that last explosion was kind of subpar. You know, they, they blew up a couple rocks, and then the one that goes into the building just turns into, like, fire yeah. and somehow makes everything <laughs> fall down. Yeah. I don't know. Pyrotechnics. <laughs> it was the pyro guy's last day on the job he quit right after that too many people drinking here and no one's sharing with me i'll show you so then gunther's there and he's got the gun to his head so they all get up who they, realize didn't, notice. How- who they didn't notice gunther's just like on them with yeah, the gun. Well, yeah. he's like putting it on his head well, well, like they they're miles you know they can see for miles and there's no one around well bear in mind he's trying to get caught that was the whole point of this little oh escapade. that's right that's was right she would lead him to who this wigwam person was or whatever it was, and solve the problem, or be bait to come get the big old guys to come get him. That was the whole thing, was to get him in to find out who the big cheese was. But, you know, truth be told, even if that wasn't the plan, he was so preoccupied with trying to get his hands on her. Oh, yeah. (laughs) So anyway, so they all get up, and then there's just a lot of talking here that doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. Mm -hmm. And you keep thinking, though, it's funny, I did like how they kind of tease... The reverse gun. Well, then that was the whole point was to get that gun into Gunther's hands. Right. Right. For yeah. shit later. Right. That was probably the entire purpose of the whole scene. Well, we did forget the fact that the whole reason we have the whistling bomb sound. Oh, that's right. The the payoff for the <laughs> right for the whistling. While bombs. they're in town, before all this stuff goes down, Helm sitting in his car, and he, as he gets out. He hears the whistling sound and, and he's, he's like, oh shit, is there a grenade? And then comes a little kid on a tricycle, no less, with a slide whistle. <laughs> that was the whole reason they made that noise. That's a long way to go for that joke, man. Sure got, is. Can you imagine the writer's room where there's just one guy that <laughs> didn't get anything else in the movie? He's like, okay, just, just follow me, okay? So I got a slide whistle, okay? And here's what we do. <laughs> you know what we need to do? Is we need to see if one of the writers on this movie was on The Man with the Golden Gun. <laughs> right. So we'll know what his contribution was to the script as well. Oh, God. That's the worst part of the, that oh, movie. Actually, we should check and see who the Foley artists were for both of these movies. <laughs> right. And see if it's the same guy. He's just got this whole infatuation with slide with well, I don't know what's going on. I think on. it's what ruined him in the business. <laughs> <laughs> he never worked again after Man with the Golden Gun. <laughs> I mean, he did a few uh, Warner Brothers cartoons, but that was it. We do get a Warner Brothers cartoon in this movie. <laughs> oh my god, I'll oh, yeah. be it briefly, but yes. <laughs> but we'll get there. <laughs> so, Seems like all the explosives in this movie were made by Acme. Yeah, indeed. So at this point, they get taken to the uh, secret lair yes. of the Big O. With the the <laughs> fakest Big fake o. rocks you've ever seen. Oh my god. I don't even know what those things were made of because they didn't even look like paper mache, which is what I usually assume they're made of. I think it was asbestos myself. <laughs> <laughs> it could be. 60s. Could be. 
And then they get dragged into the, what, what would you call that? Like the observer room where you can watch the meeting taking place. Right. But there's a glass panel behind. Well, it's like an all corridors point to the, because they literally come in in this big LAX style terminal <laughs> hall. They just go and they're walking, clack, 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 clack. Right. And then Wigman gets up and he's like, Mr. Wigman, please report to the missile room. And then he gets in a cart. I'm like, all the carts were here. That means that whoever did drove them over and left no carts at the <laughs> entrance. Right? Like, it's, walk like, back. it's like walking into a Walmart or a Target, right? You, you come in and you got a crutches and there's no cart because there's like four groups of teenagers peeling around the Walmart. And like, so they're all just like, hey, did you hear Bill broke his leg? We should just leave all the carts up here and make him walk up the main hall. Yeah, that's awesome! But it's just a weird observatory. There's a big glass thing and then hallways all come into this Right. Yeah, yeah, but hallways that seem to go like to infinity. Right. <laughs> Forever. <laughs> and they're making them walk this way. It's like, God damn. It's hours I'm not going to make it here in that time. Is, this, is, we're, this is time sensitive shit. <laughs> That's right. You guys pick up the pace, run a little, maybe a jog. And to bring up the, uh, the PA system. <laughs> this is no ordinary PA system. This is an exposition PA because it's constantly telling you everything that's about to happen or should happen or whether something's fine or not, which is what they seem to focus on the most. Yeah, absolutely. It's letting you know that the whole evil plot's going to happen in 12 minutes and everything is A-OK. <laughs> but it's always something stupid like 40 and a half minutes. Yeah, is that, is that 40 like a and a half number. minutes. <laughs> thirteen point two minutes. And then, like a scene later, like three seconds later, thirteen and a half minutes. Well, what the hell happened? <laughs> yeah, thirty minutes. The, other, the sense of time in this movie is like what? <laughs> that flew by. <laughs> Oh, so I got to bring this up. I think this is way out of order because we meet Tung Z much earlier in this movie, but he's eating a can of no-cal egg foo young. Liquid, apparently. Liquid. 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 He drinks it like a drink. But like out of a saucer yeah, of some it's sort. Like, yeah. like, a, like a, what are you, a cat? <laughs> like it's so... <laughs> well, and it's like, remember how when we said we were going to get uh, just a big old white dude and make him look, look like we're purposely making him look like he's Asian? How do we we're, double down we're on gonna the racism. We're going to double down on this, on the racism. Give him a yellow can of liquefied egg foo young to drink like a Siamese cat. Perhaps? I don't even understand the no calorie thing. Are they fat shaming him? I, they what? totally were. <laughs> they totally were. So th- he is easily the most offensive villain I think I've ever seen in any movie, anyway, including Charlie Chan. At least they were trying to be sort of culturally sensitive there. Sort of. Sort <laughs> of, of, relatively speaking. Right. At that time, it's like they were just blatantly ignorant, right? This, they know the, yes. that they're doing that. I mean, it's 66. On purpose. We're all still getting up to the socially conscious thing that right. we're still working on here. In the 21st century. But even they knew most people weren't running around playing Asian people that weren't Asian at this point. Yeah, yeah. So questionable <laughs> all across the board. Yeah, problematic. <laughs> but still not the worst part of the movie. Oh, God, no. <laughs> no. It's offensive, but it's not bad in the sense that you had to watch it. Right. So basically, it's the do, my evil plan. Yes, doesn't tongue see he monologues? He monologues. He's giving you the whole skinny and how the raspberry jelly is going to spread over the central <laughs> oh United States and yeah. and radioactively destroy everybody, which will then be blamed 
on the Russians, of course. And you of know, course. of course, of course, yes. And then the two global powers will retaliate, and then Big O will thrive, and ha ha ha. Yeah, they never really explained <laughs> what the payoff is for getting the butt heads with each other. Yeah, I mean, Christopher Walken wanted he wanted more silicon chips, you know. <laughs> but th- it, th- it seems like there's no motivation for Big O, I guess, except to sell more tires. <laughs> I don't get it. <laughs> <laughs> we can, I don't, we I don't can, get it either. We can I, put I, you I, back I, in I, your unsecured oh, location. Now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. oh. Jason has that ability. <laughs> Actually, I don't even have that ability. Only Jason can do that. That's um. right. Oleg is right over there. <laughs> He's just waiting for the word. That's right. So yeah, we hear the evil plan. We see the <laughs> raspberry jelly. <laughs> the raspberry jelly that spreads across <laughs> the four corners area of the United States. That's a gag you can only do once. Man. <laughs> sort of get appears we've been some one ca- one take. <laughs> yeah, sort of appears we've been jammed. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> Yikes! Oh, airplane callback! <laughs> Yikes! We've hit everything now. You're welcome. So, oh, so then? Oh wait, then Tina just shows up. Tina shows up as the bad guy. As the bad guy, as she's you can revealed. tell, because she's got the, a brand new wig on that's got this <laughs> gray white, streak in it, hair. evil evil gray streak in it. That's, that's right. right. Mm-hmm. And That's how you know she's a double lady. Right? Because in the 60s, once a woman's hair turns gray, she's evil. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. She looked stunning in that, she that fantastic. black pantsuit she oh, had. Because yeah. the dress they had her in for the first half of the movie, mm-hmm. what was that nonsense? Yeah, not helpful. I mean, when you have an, a, an actress who's probably... She had to be probably 5'8", five, 5'9". Five, right. She's the same height as Dean Martin. Yeah. Uh, who we know is at least taller than Tom Cruise. So, <laughs> it just... I guess the point was blue dress, good girl, black pantsuit, bad girl. Yeah. But I'm like, I would have actually preferred her to be like this and me figure out she's the bad guy. Yeah. I'm just saying. She's the cowboy, you know. So, you're expecting that out of this movie? Yes. I could be the cowboy and I'd still have to bum rides off of people. So, she comes in. She's the bad guy. Yeah. We all know that she's now a double agent. And then Although, Gunther didn't know. Gunther didn't know. Oh, that's when we get the whole apology Awkward situation with that where they just sort of explain that away. Yes, exactly. (laughs) And then Dino gets hauled off to the dungeon of love with Tina. And then she tries to persuade him, so to speak. um, To switch sides. Yeah, to switch sides, which, why? <laughs> Have you seen your organization? <laughs> <laughs> you got a fat guy drinking liquid egg foo young over here. I ain't working for that. Right. <laughs> Meanwhile, you've got in two and three quarter minutes, everything right. is A-OK. <laughs> right. I mean, basically, it all kind of cascades into Matt, the, the set action piece. Matt gets in there. He's got a machine gun. He's wasting people. He's in right. LA, LAX. He's, in, he's underneath the LAX restaurant at the <laughs> at the airport. Um, a miniature version that Z is like. I'll try machine guns. Nope. I'll try lasers and the weirdest fucking lasers ever shown in a movie just these red rods and i'm like are those lasers moving so slow that you can dodge them because they were red glowing tubes and then no they were shooting sparks i'm like so it's actually like a real laser where there's no beam should i admire the set decorator in this case I don't know. I don't. I no, but why did they need to be seventeen feet long? And glowing <laughs> red. These giant seventeen feet long phalluses. Only to right. shoot some sort of like 
five more inches yeah, or so. Exactly. <laughs> they're like literally right or right next to the rock that they're burning and melting. Right. Which apparently also you can deflect with a piece of sheet metal. Oh, totally. <laughs> Bullets and laser beams. Yes. And the rocks were made of the same jelly. <laughs> That's yeah. exactly yeah. it. What was demonstrating what was going to happen when the radiation came out. Right. But meanwhile, Matt gets to hurl like the last 95 buttons that he has. So yeah. I'm like, I remember three, and yet I think he individually blew up 18 things. Each uh, one never had the same timing. No, no. <laughs> it was never three. No. Well, and so they, they, get through, they get through that whole thing, and they're like, we got to get to missile control. So they go running over to the elevator that says, to missile control. <laughs> right. Big sign. Right. And he pushes the button on it and she gets in he's like, no, oh, no, no, hold on a second. He's going to use the elevator to find out how much time it takes to get to the top of the elevator so that he can time his last grenade to the proper three seconds. It's just... Which it was Which like, he then mistimed. He did. <laughs> <laughs> he counts to 12. He figures it, it's... What did he say? It was 13 seconds to get to the top? He said, I thought it was 12, but anyway. 12 seconds to the top. And he's timing and he's like, and 12. <laughs> and he's just it's one, like one thousand, he's just holding it like this four, like, like he's offering somebody a cookie or it's like at that point 000. it's like 17 seconds have gone by right oh and of course during the fight we, we also forgot that Gail gets out of her thing yes with the reverse gun which is killing she uses everybody for everybody right first of all Gunther gets it twice because Gunther's an idiot. <laughs> he he shoots the gun. He shoots himself and he's like, well, that didn't work out right. And then tries to shoot her again and shoots himself again. And she's like, murp, murp. Picks up the gun and goes running off. I'm like, he had a machine gun. <laughs> the whole fool me once, shame on you type thing does not apply to a gun that shoots in reverse. No, no, like, no, no. You really should have. going to do it again. Yeah. I mean, that's basic henchman 101, really, when you think about when it. When he shoots him, he's like, well, that can't be right. Yeah. He's actually like, uh... Huh. Let me try that again. Let's see if it does the same thing. There's no way it would do it again. That's so weird. Wow! <laughs> I'm dead. <laughs> anyway. And then he, so she goes running out with a backwards gun. Which gives her an idea, yeah, to yeah. go running out. And you, let's use that on every single right. henchman from here to the also, LAX. Right? Can I just say, too, that Gail has no problem killing people. At all. At all. She has no second thoughts about it whatsoever. No, in fact, she's... So, like the first one, she's kind of like she gets to the first security guard, hands him the gun. He's like, uh, 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 smugly tries to shoot her, kills himself, get actual blood, right. which surprised yeah. the hell out of me. But then the second one, she's all like, oh, I get how this works now. And then takes the gun and points it at her own chest and looks up at this guy like, I'm going to die. And he's like, don't kill yourself. Pow! Shoots the other security guard. She's like, take that motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> and she blows the butt of the gun. Can you I know. just rewind real quick? The one thing I thought was hilarious, too, in the scuffle in Tina's room of seduction or whatever, is in that room, Helm throws a, a one of his grenades. And they're only like five feet apart from each other. But she gets knocked out. And right. he's perfectly, he's perfectly fine. fine. And do we ever get any closure with Tina's character? Or does she just... No, she pressed that button and then it was, that was the end of her character. Yeah. That was it. Yeah. You never saw her again. It's so weird. What if she shows up in one of the next ones? Maybe, maybe that's what it is. And she's got like a scar around her <laughs> eyes. A little Harry Potter thing on her forehead. You really think they put that much thought into it? You, you really? Cats. Probably not. <laughs> I'm here to take you now, Mr. Hound. What do you think of my kitty? It's <laughs> or they just liquid egg foo young. 
No calories. <laughs> no calories. Mr. Wiggles is on diet. It's exactly Mr. Wiggums. Mr. <laughs> so basically, they get into the missile control room. That's right. Z shows up. A helicopter pilot shows not up. Not before. Not before. Gail nearly kills them both. With the machine gun. Oh, yeah. Because she apparently can't control herself. Like, she can only shoot backwards guns, apparently. (laughs) With deadly accuracy. (laughs) She goes full true lies. (laughs) Full Jamie Lee Curtis. Jamie Lee Curtis and true lies. Just shooting everywhere. I can't get... Oh, my God. Well, and then she's... Finally coming out there, Z shows over with his own gun and just casually moves her machine gun out of the way. I believe she's out of bullets now. (laughs) And she thanks him. Yes. It's (laughs) It's like, like, I don't think I could have done that anymore. (laughs) But the random helicopter pilot. Of which which it appears out of Allied Trucking. If you need it moved for evil business, Allied Trucking. We'll get you there. So blatant. That had to have been product placement. Well, it absolutely was because it's a legit... Movie company. Yeah. But what was the helicopter's purpose? Did I miss that? That was his getaway. Did they show them getting away in the helicopter? No, because Matt kills him. Kills who? Tung Z. Oh, oh so it was... It, it was, was Tung Z's Tung getaway. Tung Z's getaway. Okay. I did not get that at all. I, mean, yeah. I was too busy <laughs> just throwing out little, just... little Nelly jokes. So I... Ah, ha, ha, ha. <laughs> and little Nelly. Ah, ha, ha, ha. Is this fucking movie over yet? <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> So yeah, we get that little fight between Tung Z and Matt, and Matt does the reverse, and then he breaks the rule of the gun. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Which blatantly. is never explained blatantly. Not at all. Never explained. Never does does McDonald ever say. Now there's a setting, or that the would... last shot will shoot forward. Right. There's none of that. So it's just like conveniently shoots forward that time and kills the final guard or whatever. The helicopter pilot. Yeah. Yeah, the helicopter pilot. Who, for some reason, never takes off his helmet. Helmet and has the shield down the whole time. Like, (laughs) how can he see? see? How am I supposed to fight? It's like he's a Jedi or something. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's funny, too, because I think me and you, Andrew, I think when we were watching, too, we were like, well, who's behind that? Like... I thought there was a reveal. I thought there was going to be somebody funny. Yeah, it's like, is somebody on the ice side, which which we had? I almost expected it was going to be McDonald's McDonald's or something. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Which, P.S., and by the way, ICE stands for, because we haven't said this yet, Intelligence Counter Espionage. So... Really, you're not deporting anybody. (laughs) It's definitely better than the Strategic (laughs) Homeland uh, Intervention Espionage Logistics Division. Right. Or what was the one from Flint? Started with a Z? Zowie! Zowie, yes. (laughs) Yeah, at least it wasn't Zowie. (laughs) Although, honestly, I kind of like Zowie better. (laughs) Zowie chaos. I mean, it's a problem. It should have been B.I.G.I. Oh, oh, all bad guys are acronyms, right? <laughs> right. You know, so Brotherhood of International Nefarious something. I don't know. Who knows? But big O. Big get o. your tires. <laughs> Buy three, get one free. Are we back at his uh, love shack? At I that think point? we're back at the love shack at that point. So I don't feel like there was a de- debrief with no. McDonald oh, or anything. That's when we get our Looney Tunes moment, though. Oh, our cartoon that's moment. right. The missile launches. Yeah, because the, the missile has already been launched, but then Because he... everything was uh, A-OK. That's right. A-OK. A-OK. It happened. That's right. So then he recalculating and sends the missile turning back around, but it's like... 
<laughs> Such a cartoon. Yeah, it's, it's fully like, animated. Animated, animated. Yeah, like the missile literally bends as it's turning around and heading back towards the secret lair of, of Big O. Which, weren't they in that lair? I mean, or did they take off in the helicopter? You know what I'm saying? I it's like, it, I always wondered, did that missile, did he just direct that missile towards himself? them? <laughs> yeah, he, he did. And, but how does he get away from that missile? Because I mean, he, the, they drove to the missile complex. So they pointed it towards that Adobe looking building that was the main building. That's what they blew right. up. The miss, they were at the missile complex that they had to drive to in one of the red aluminum bulletproof vest carts. (laughs) So after that, then they wind up back at the Love Shack and Dean is... So he's back in a tux. Um, The phone rings and he's like, oh, I'll get that. She keeps trying to get the phone and accidentally presses the button that takes him back in. Gail's with him. Yeah, Gail's with him. Pretty blue dress. They go and then she hits the button that advances the mobile bed of love (laughs) into the gigantic swimming pool of bubbles. Right. And they go into there. Sadly, Lovey is nowhere to be seen. Nowhere uh, to be seen. Because I'm thinking, if they go there with this, <laughs> how progressive for 66? <laughs> nope. Nope. No. Nope. Maybe, maybe if it had been 1969. Huh? <laughs> uh, I see what you did there. Uh, thank you. Uh, thank you very much. I will be playing at this Phoenix nightclub all week. <laughs> try the veal. <laughs> and try not to get shot. <laughs> so, and that's... It's pretty much the movie. Thank heavens. Thank heavens, because that was... uh... You know what the beauty about this thing is, is I'm forgetting it as we already talked about it, so (laughs) there will not be any post-traumatic stress disorder for this film. If you're like, have I ever seen this before? Yeah. Any final (laughs) thoughts? uh, Have we missed anything? No, I think we pretty much covered everything that we could uh, do. I mean, you know, in the past when we've done the brush passes, we'll kind of pull out some things like that and... I mean, best set piece, there isn't one. Um, <laughs> best stunt, there isn't one. Um, We've definitely gone over gadgets and tech. Absolutely. I think they were heavy on it. They yeah. were so I mean, heavy on that. I think the, the, the tech uh, hits the weirdest moment head-scratcher, as in, how does a reverse gun suddenly fire forward? That's definitely a head-scratcher. Can I also mention, too, the one thing we haven't mentioned yet is the fact that Tung Z not only handles his meetings in a glass-encased meeting room, but then he then has a glass case around the chair that he literally sits in inside the glass case I think that was supposed to be bulletproof. Right. Yeah, of course. But but he's in it way too long, if you ask me. And what about the reclining guys? Oh, my God. I forgot about that. Yeah. 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 So there's a moment where Tung Z is explaining his evil plan to all his minions. And he's like, recliners or whatever he says. And they all recline to look at a TV that they could have just turned their head at. Yeah. And I mean, it's like the Passover of evil, right? You know, on this day, (laughs) we do evil reclining. (laughs) <laughs> but I mean, they're not looking at something on the ceiling. No, you know, it's no. like the, the, the t- televisions are around them. Right. The- <laughs> All you had to do is turn your chair. You didn't have to actually put your feet up. <laughs> Can I get a cocktail in here? <laughs> And then it's like, they're all probably getting ready to doze off. It's like, no, seats back up where they belong. Okay, okay. <laughs> no, it's okay. like 30 seconds. Okay, okay. And I mean, best, worst performances? I don't know, man. Name yes. It. Name it. Just yes. They were sure. the yes. best, yes. worst performances I've seen in a while. Again, I thought Tina did the best job. My biggest head scratcher was why full songs. Full on full, songs. Yeah. Full it was all song. about the yeah. soundtrack. It I'm must telling have been. you. must have been. Yeah. It, it was Dean Martin. I bet you it was a guaranteed soundtrack sales, mm. just having him on oh, it. You know that thing probably just 
platinum oh, in, absolutely. in a week. <laughs> Dean Martin sings, Matt Helm, here's the thoughts in my head. <laughs> That jelly singing is red. about Miss Craves it. <laughs> yeah, right? What? <laughs> With additional songs by Vicky Carr. <laughs> that could have easily been sang by Centuries. Centuries. <laughs> so, Which does make you wonder, did Sinatra's song end up on that soundtrack? Hmm. Be interesting to know. Or did they only get the rights for that like little tiny clip that they played? Well, but he was with Columbia, and Columbia. This was Columbia owned, I believe, that label. Yeah. I don't think there were two different labels, so I, they probably could have thrown that on there if they wanted it, because they probably had all the masters for it. Hmm. I don't know. I know nothing about the music industry. I only <laughs> pretend that I do. So yeah, I don't think there's really much else that we can beat this over with. Yeah. I mean, strangely enough, despite how ridiculous and kind of poor this movie is i still kind of had a fun time watching it yeah, yeah. and like i kind of feel obligated to watch the other three now well we sort of have to now. i think dean martin is just charming enough that i can kind of manage to sit through it even though occasionally i'm just like when is the song gonna be over yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny that you only got two flints but four of these yeah you know it, it wasn't terrible We've no. watched worse movies for Oh, this. for sure. Some that Elmer Bernstein is actually, did the music score uh, for. Yes. <laughs> um, so uh, it could have been worse. Could have been longer. Thank God it wasn't. Could have been a lot shorter and actually could have been a lot shorter. <laughs> right. But I mean, you know, if you're looking for something ridiculously hokey to drink beer and hang out with some of your friends with, it's probably okay to watch. Right? Yeah, exactly. It's a perfect party background yeah. movie. Yeah, exactly. Please don't fly me in for the others. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Well, we certainly enjoyed that you were here. And I enjoyed being here. <laughs> But uh, we thank you for uh, coming down to the undisclosed location. Granted, you know, as we do, we chopper people in with a hood on and sometimes tranquilize them. But you were you were a trooper. You made it through all the all the hoops, <laughs> everything else. I personally think you kind of enjoyed the tranquilization part a little too much. But you know, that's your thing. You do you. Well, you know, it's surprising what I'll do for fifty bucks. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But uh, hey. Tens of listeners. Why not tell us what you thought of the movie? We would love to hear from you. And if there's one thing we are constantly beating you over the head with, it's that we enjoy listener interaction. So uh, please get in touch on email at cicdeaddrop at gmail.com, on Instagram at Central Intelligence Cinema, separated by underscores, or on Twitter at CIC Spy Pod. There's a whole nother gang of social medias that we're also on, and they will all be found at the bottom of the show description of this very episode that uh, this episode is. That's I lost right. my train of thought right there. That's all right. It happens. This kind of this movie. This movie just sort of it's saps this kind of movie. Well, you know, speaking of all of these... Uh, underscores and at symbols and anything. Andrew, is there anything you'd like to pitch while you've got the microphone on? Yes. Yes, you can find my uh, information on andrewgrowth.com, which is the website, the official website for Druco, which is the name that I uh, do my art under. And I will be showing my work in Boise, Idaho on October 14th. That's right. So if you're in the Boise area. That's right. It's not an undisclosed location. It is a very disclosed. It's a state. (laughs) <laughs> it's a very disclosed. In the United States of America. <laughs> Indeed, it's a very... Located di- next to Montana and Washington and slightly above Nevada. Uh-huh. And slightly <laughs> below Canada. Slightly below Canada and I guarantee 100% no radioactive jam. 
Nope. <laughs> I, can't that. I can't guarantee that. I can't guarantee that at all. <laughs> but uh, check out Drew's site. Fantastic stuff. Yes. And and the uh, link for that site will also be at the bottom of the show description. So there. So there. So you have no excuse, tens of listeners. Do as we say, not as we do. <laughs> indeed, indeed. And with that, I'm Ben. And I'm Jason. And the CIC will return with more missions, more martinis, and more mayhem. <laughs> <laughs>